Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Welcome everyone, you're listening to Talent Talks, Robert Walters podcast. Over the coming months we're going to be speaking with leaders across Robert Walters UK along with industry guests discussing their career successes, advice and getting their quick take on trends in the market. My name is Lauren Freeman, I'm the Senior Consultant with our Birmingham office and I manage public sector finance appointments across the Midlands region. Today our guest is Amrit Singh. Um, Hi Amrit and thank you for um, taking the time out to, to do this with us today. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Lovely. So um, Amrit um, is the Finance and Commercial Director at Nason, a charitable membership organisation who exists to support and champion those working with and for children and young people with special educational needs and or disabilities, otherwise known as SEND, so that they can go on to achieve their full potential. In his role, Amrit is accountable for finance, UK and international business development, operations, sales and marketing. Prior to joining Nason earlier this year, Amrit spent eight years in financial services and nine years prior to that in retail. He's here today to share his journey with us and to provide some insight into the benefit and challenges of making the transition across industries, specifically around the move into the charitable and third sector. Um, so Amrit, do you think if we start maybe with a little bit of your background um, into your career history, I guess if we take it right back to, to where your career was starting in a much more corporate vein than you're currently in now, um, after a number of years in retail before moving into financial services, followed by an SME fintech through to the current day at Nason, um, could you tell us a little bit about that journey and what motivated some of the moves that you made? Absolutely. Um, so it's it's interesting. I started straight out of university in the retail industry. Uh, and actually that happened by accident. I was working on the shop floor of H. Samuels, as it was at the time, in, uh, in the ball ring in Birmingham. Uh, and when I finished university with my maths degree, I was trying to figure out where should I take my career. Uh, and finance seemed like the sensible road uh, to, to take. Uh, and, and an opportunity came out to to join Signet's head office in their finance team. Uh, and so I moved from the shop floor into the finance team uh, for Signet in retail. So Signet owned H. Samuels and Ernest Jones, the, the, the high street jewelers. So with Signet, I was with Signet for eight years in total, four years on the shop floor, and then four years in, in the finance team doing a number of finance roles. And uh, whilst I was at Signet, I developed my career plan and figured out what my retail career plan would look like and where I wanted to get to in the retail industry and the route I needed to take. And, and part of that plan was to, was to diversify my experience. Uh, and when I talk about having a diversity, diversity of experience, I talk about having different uh, strings to the bow of finance. So I wanted to cover various finance roles. Uh, and so I decided at one point, no, I needed to get commercial finance. Uh, under my belt uh, and so I left Signet to join uh, another in, a company in, in the retail industry called Next, you would have heard of them, uh, and spent a year with them. And after a year with Next, uh, I got to the point of my first career transition, uh, which at the time was really difficult. It was a really tough decision uh, and there were it was uh, riddled with risk at the time, uh, but actually it was a twofold decision for moving uh, and it was mainly driven by personal circumstance. Uh, and and uh, for me, 
what's important whenever we look at or whenever I've looked at my career moves and, and industry transitions. It's been a combination of personal circumstance and career motivation. I, I, I don't think you can look at either of those in isolation. It needs to be a combination of the two. Uh, and actually my personal circumstance, uh, I, I recently got married. I was working in Leicester, living in Birmingham. My wife was working in Manchester. So we were going in completely different directions and not seeing each other at all. Uh, and we made a decision together that we would both look for work in Birmingham. And that was my personal circumstance. I needed to find something local. Uh, and that's when the opportunity to join uh, Global Investment Bank uh, in Deutsche Bank came out, uh, came about. Uh, and this was alien to me uh, up until this point. I didn't even know what investment banks did. I knew they existed, but I didn't really understand how they how they operated and worked. Uh, and then add on top of that, the opportunity to join Deutsche Bank was in operations, not finance. Um, and so there was this big, for me at the time, here's me with my career plan all mapped out, all rooted up. I know what steps I need to take to get to the finance director CFO level uh, in, in the retail industry. Uh, but all of a sudden, there's this new opportunity in investment banking um, with where the, the glass ceiling is much, much higher. The opportunities are, are huge. It's truly global. Um, uh, and then also adding to that, it's a different uh, is a different area in, in operations rather than finance. So at the time, it felt like a huge risk, and it was a really difficult decision. Do I do I do this or do I not do this? Um, should I? Shouldn't I? And in the end, uh, doing the pros and cons uh, and looking at the risk reward, I actually came to the decision that the upside was way bigger than the downside here because I could do it. I could take the risk. I could do it for a year. And if it didn't pay off, I could always make that move back to retail uh, if, if I decided that was what I wanted to do. Um, and, and the additional thing when I moved across industry as well, it was, it was a sideways set step. I didn't get that promotion I was looking for in the retail industry um, if I was looking to move across there. But again, it, it was a risk worth taking, clearly. I was with Deutsche for eight years in financial services. Um, I, I was lucky enough to get a number of promotions uh, I worked in Birmingham. I spent a bit of time in Mumbai, uh, and I and I spent four years on the trading floor in London as well, uh, which which were which were great, um, great experience and and thoroughly enjoyed my time with Deutsche. Uh, and I actually made the move back into finance with with Deutsche as well. I spent two years in operations. Uh, back to my earlier point about having diversity of experience. Uh, for me, having that time in operations was important, an important part of my career. It it gave me a an understanding of how a different part of an organization works. Uh, if you think of finance, finance can be uh, pretty, it can be pretty samey across industries. It, we're, we're, we have the similar sort of targets, similar timelines. You still have a month end, you've got forecasting, you've got budgeting. It's quite consistent no matter what industry you're in. Um, but I wanted to learn operations because it's a bit different. It's something that I wouldn't have ordinarily done in finance. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and so I would in encourage people that if there's an opportunity to diversify your experience by doing uh, a, a stint in a different department outside of finance, uh, it's it's well worth it. You learn of, uh, you learn things that you wouldn't ordinarily be exposed to in, in finance. Uh, and and after Deutsche, uh, I, I moved to so I was working in London, uh, and then we moved to Chester. Uh, to take on a role with a fintech SME, uh, an organization called Nextgear. Um, and I say we this time because when we moved to London, it was just my wife and I. 
and when we moved to Chester, it was me, my wife, our young daughter, and our dog, uh, which was much, much harder to relocate. Uh, we spent a year in Chester, uh, and for personal reasons and family reasons, we found it very difficult to, to settle up there. It was a risk, again, to move. Um, this time, the risk didn't pay off as well as uh, the previous risks, uh, uh, but that's okay. It's okay to, to to fail when you you take a risk. It doesn't always pay off, and I think that's you, you go into it with your eyes open. It's, it's okay. Uh, so we relocated back to the Midlands, uh, and at that point, I decided to take some time away from working to to reflect on life, uh, reflect on what's important, uh, and also reflect on my career today. Um, and it's during those reflections that I I came to the the realization that I really wanted to my next career move to be in an industry uh, or an area where I could make a fundamental difference to, to people and people's lives and, and, and help them. Uh, uh, and, and then the opportunity to join Nason came around. Uh, so, uh, uh, and thank you for the, the lovely introduction to, to Nason, Lauren. It's, Nason is fundamentally a charity that's out there to uh, improve educational outcomes for all children, specifically those with special educational needs and disabilities. Uh, and when you think about the education sector and, and children with, with SEND, there's 1.3 million kids out there in the education uh, sector who have some form of special educational need or disability. And 1.1 million of those do not have an educational and health and care plan. Uh, so not supported in that sense. And so the way you support those children is by developing education and educational practitioners and teachers and school leaders uh, and providing them the, the training resources so that they can make education inclusive for all. Um, and so Nason was, it, it was, it was there. It was an opportunity to really make a difference for, for, for children across up and down the country, as well as internationally. And um, having joined Nason, I've been able to spend a bit more time getting to know the organization and, and really live the values uh, of the organization and, they tie in so closely with mine. And my personal values and the organization values are, are so closely linked. It's it makes me really, really comfortable and content to go to work every day in this in this sector. Um, and actually the move from FS financial services into the charitable and third sector was much, much was much, much easier than when I'd made the first transition from retail to, to FS. Um, and I think that's down to the fact that I again I went into it a a bit eyes open, knowing that there are differences, there, there are different language, uh, different acronyms to, to learn and navigate and uh, different ways of working. Uh, but knowing that that's the case makes it a bit easier to, to navigate once you've made that transition. So I guess, I guess in response to that, Amri, obviously, um, talking with numerous candidates across multiple sectors, not only the public sector within recruitment, um, there are various challenges in what you've just said that would normally spring to mind when having these conversations with particular individuals. I think if we go specifically to move from retail to financial services, we often get a lot of people come to us who maybe wouldn't consider financial services as, as a move because of how regulated they are. How would you say that you dealt with that element and, and how you found that? Yeah, look, the industry is very different. Financial services absolutely is, is very heavily regulated. Um, but fundamentally, especially in the finance area, as a trained finance 
professional. Finance is pretty consistent across industries. Uh, and also, I wouldn't just just stick it to finance. I'd stick it. I'd, I'd talk about operations as well. Um, whilst the product is very different, fundamentally, it's still a product that you're trying to shift uh, and a product that you're trying to sell uh, and earn some revenue off, uh, whilst keeping your cost base low. So, yes, there is this this thought process out there that once you're in a uh, once you're in an industry, you should stay in that industry. Um, but I'm of the I'm of the belief that diversity of experience is really important, and this this goes not just for the individuals that are looking to cross industry, but also for the organisations themselves. And I I think organisations should be open to to looking at individuals from different industries as those organisations were when they took me on, uh, and I was fortunate enough to to have that opportunity. Having that diverse experience across different industries enables you to see things in different ways. If, if you only look from one industry um, and you're stuck in one industry, you tend to see things in the way that that industry sees them. Um, so I think from an organizational perspective, it's important to be open to that uh, diverse uh, background of experience. But on an individual basis, I, I, I couldn't recommend a switch enough. For me, financial services was brilliant. And the pace at which they operate is, is is, is, is bonkers. It's so fast. It's, I thought retail was fast paced, but financial services is immediate. Um, and I learned so much during my time in that industry um, that I'm bringing into the charitable sector and, and, and trying to bring some best practice that financial services have, have enabled me to, to learn. Um, and I don't think it just relates to financial services, retail to FS. I think any industry, um, there's an opportunity to one learn some new skills but then secondly for you to bring some of the skills that you've already learned and impart that onto an, an, an organization in a new industry absolutely and um i think as well from, from what you've said it, it's quite clear that you've gained a wide range of exposure throughout making these moves do you think there's anything in particular that potentially you might not have touched upon if you hadn't have transitioned through through to the different sectors and tried your career in various different areas um that's a great question um like i said i've been fortunate enough to be able to make those transitions and, and work across different sectors and, and there's so many different things. I mean, look, the retail sector, is, it's all about capital expenditure, capex, um, getting your stores refitted and having a footprint, uh, a physical footprint to be able to sell things, uh, which is vast, quickly changing now to the digital side of things and being able to sell uh, online. Um, whereas the FS industry is is digital, right? It's it, The physical footprint is all around uh, the offices that are being occupied rather than a shop front to, to sell from, uh, apart from if you've got retail banks, of course. I think the biggest thing that I've learned by switching sectors is understanding there are different ways to get the same outcome. And that is sometimes sector specific. Uh, specific sectors operate in different ways. For example, in the retail sector, the, there is a lot of focus on, on shop fronts and physical footprint in where, uh, where you sell the product from. And so the lens that you need to look at is what's the value and return on investment on the investment that we make, what's the return that we're getting on the shop, on the shop floors. And is, is it a worthwhile product and, uh, and is it worthwhile continuing that? Whereas in the financial services world, there's less of a focus on the, um, the physical footprint, 
but there's much more focus on the balance sheet investment. So it's it's much more the stocks and the, the positions that are held on the balance sheet, how much return is being generated from that balance sheet. So whilst it's, it's still a return on investment, it's a different type of investment. And understanding that the principles of finance particularly and, and the principles of business, they fundamentally act the same across industries, but in slightly different ways. For me, it really breaks down the barriers to be able to cross industry because what you may look at from the outside in terms of, well, for example, the financial services industry looks very different to the retail industry. When you break down those barriers of, but fundamentally it's still a business that's trying to turn a profit, uh, it, it makes it much easier to make that transition because the fundamental principles remain intact regardless of the industry. So if I look at the commercial sector and the corporate sector, it's, it's mainly driven around turning a profit uh, and looking at the EBITDA. Whereas in the charitable sector, yes, it's important to turn a profit, uh, which we call a surplus rather than a profit because it's all about surpluses and deficits in the, in the charity sector and the third sector. It's, it's, we tend to build reserves to a certain level, but once reserves are built to a level, we're then comfortable to reinvest those reserves and make losses or deficits. And those deficits that we, we make are, um, are thought out, are deliberate investments back into the organization. So for example, Nason right now is reinvesting a vast chunk of its reserves back into the organization. We're, we're developing a new CRM and website uh, for, for our members. We're changing the way in which our membership uh, is, uh, it, uh, is offered. We've were historically been a paid-for membership organization. We're now going to be a free membership organization, which is free membership for all. And that takes investment. But charities aren't flush with cash. We're not flush with CapEx budgets. Uh, we've not been making profits for a number of years. So you have to be very strategic in terms of when our strategic when our investment cycle is going to run, similar to a, a commercial enterprise. And when are we going to be looking at trying to build those reserves back up to a certain level? Um, but ultimately, in the charity sector, we're not here to turn a profit. We're here to make a difference. Uh, and, and that kind of brings me back to the, the values of the, the third sector and why I'm, and, and charity sector and why I'm here, which is fundamentally, we're here to make a difference and make education inclusive for all. And that really resonates nicely with me and helps me on a day-to-day -day basis when I come to work. And I don't have to think about that. It's, it, it's just there and it's there every single day. Whereas in the, in the commercial and corporate world, when you're looking at driving a P&L and drive profit every day, that why, why you come to work every day can sometimes get a bit cloudy uh, and you kind of tend to lose focus on why am I here every day, right? It, it becomes much more, how do we maximize our sales and minimize our costs? Um, which don't get me wrong, it's still a consideration in the charity sector and it's really important to consider that but it's not the main driver. The main driver is how do we make a difference and, and how do we continue to improve education? But also we need to make sure that we're, we're not, it's not costing us more than it takes to, to, for us to generate, generate income on that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, being able to bring that commercial education, call it, that I have had in the corporate world and bringing that into the charity sector now and, and and starting to look at more commercial modeling and 
looking at what is the right level for us to pitch certain products to cover our costs, first of all, but also to try and return a little bit of a surplus so that we can use that surplus to generate newer products, reinvest it back into the charitable activities that we have as an organization, or actually as we are right now, cover some of the investment cycle that we're, we're putting in place right now to, to put us into the future. I think you've given a really good overview there, Amrit, of um, exactly how the transition happens when you move into the charitable sector. Um, and obviously you've had a really positive experience in that particular area. On the wider market, whether that be from a candidate or client perspective, looking to either join or hire from, from a cross sector, particularly with that charitable or third sector, often there does seem to be some sort of stigma in charitable or third organisations, maybe not being quite as commercial or maybe not as fast paced. Um, how have you found that change of pace, but also what are you doing in particular at Nason to make sure that you do have that commercial edge um, that other businesses offer? Yeah, it's a great observation. And I think it's a valid observation as well. And certainly something that I used to think of before I moved into this sector, uh, which was around the pace being slower and not being as commercial for sure. And the pace is different. I don't think it's fair to say it's slower. I think the rate at which it ebbs and flows is different uh, and it flows to different needs. For example, Nason holds a number of large contracts, one of which being a Department for Education government contract. Uh, and the, the needs around that contract are very different, very specific. There is regular reporting done on a monthly basis. Uh, we, we invoice on a regular basis. So there is actual tight rigor around that process. And it is quite fast paced um, because we have to be able to ebb and flow with the requirements of that contract. Um, one day there may be a key requirement uh, to deliver against a, a, an output and a need, um, but then very quickly in the following quarter, uh, that need can quickly shift and we need to uh, move and adapt quickly. And that's, that's felt be none more evident than this year. Look at COVID, right? We were running a government contract and we still have this contract. But then in March, when COVID hit and lockdown came, the world changed overnight. And the world changed overnight for everybody. It wasn't just the commercial sector. It wasn't just the charity sector. Everybody felt it. You and I have felt it. And everybody listening to has, has, had felt it. And so the, where Nason was, was, was brilliant was the rate at which and the pace at which it was able to change. And, and we had this agility to look at our products uh, so one example, we do face-to-face -face training for a lot of our, uh, our members. We very quickly moved from face-to-face -face and produced an offer to do online and did webinar training. And that was available pretty much immediately. Um, and we did that uh, for our members. And we also were able to do that for our DFE contract. One of the outcomes on our contract was to provide training to, to a, a, a number of education professionals. We continued to deliver on that through online and using webinars. Uh, and we had to do that very, very quickly. And we had to adapt to that very quickly. On the back of that, we've created a number of new products and we've really pushed this agenda now. And uh, we're, we're doing a new product called an annual webinar pass, which enables uh, our members to but purchase a pass that gives them access to 70 webinars that we, we deliver on, a, on an annual basis. That's something that we didn't do last year. And it's a, a brand new product that we've 
turned around and switched on have been selling to our to our members uh, and the reason we sell it is because we have to generate income to cover our costs of course we're not we're not selling it to just just to, to make a lot of lot of profit and so yes it may well be different but it ebbs and flows to different needs it's not slower uh, and, and, and that's a misconception that i certainly had um particularly with nascent it, 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 we are pretty fast-paced and pretty agile the second point you mentioned was the commercial side of things and actually i think it's fair the, from what I've seen, yes, the sector may not be as commercial um, and may not be as, as switched on commercially uh, in, uh, as the commercial and corporate world. But I think that's understandable because the charity sector isn't as driven by the efficiency, P&L efficiency, as a commercial and corporate world will, uh, organization will, would be. And that's natural. And that, that's to be expected. And I think there is a Certainly within Nason, at least, there's been a recognition that the organization and charity needed to become more, more commercial. Uh, and so the, the makeup of our board of trustees is much more, there is a much more commercial mindset within that board of trustees. Um, the role that I'm in now was a new role that was created uh, as part of the strategy for Nason. Um, and I was as a finance and commercial director to, to look at the commercial side of, of Nason and start to think about the efficiencies um, and start to think about where do we, where should we be pitching products in terms of the cost to make sure we're recovering our cost. And historically, um, we didn't really look at it in, at that level of detail. And the other thing that we're doing at Nason is uh, we understand that the digital world uh, and the data that sits behind that digital world is really important for the future. So we see it as a big growth area uh, and it's become as really, really evident, as I mentioned earlier, this year on the back of COVID in needing to be able to provide an online service and deliver online. Um, and so the use of technology is really, really important. One of the big things that we're now doing this year, which we're investing in, is the CRM uh, and website upgrade. And so we're of the belief, and certainly I'm, I'm a big believer, that organisations will be successful can different the ones that can differentiate themselves in the future are those that have accurate and reliable data and use that accurate and reliable data to start to strategize and and provide the right outputs for their members or customers in the commercial world and nason is very aware of that and that's why we're going through this big investment cycle um, to to look at digital look at our technologies the technology base and get it fit for purpose and, and try and future-proof it for as long as we can. I mean, technology, you can't future-proof for, for too long um, because it quickly becomes our day. But what's really important is our data structure and the data architecture that sits behind it. And so we're spending a lot of time uh, trying to understand how that data should be mapped, how it should be structured, so that as technology moves and, and becomes more and more sophisticated, the data that underpins it remains simple, straightforward, and structured that we can continue to rely on it and it continues to be accurate. Uh, and, and it's a really big, imp a, a, a big priority for us, which I think is a similar, it, it, it's a big priority in the commercial world as well. So yes, uh, to, your, to going back to looping around back to your question, yes, there are differences between the commercial world and the charity, charity sector. Yes, the pace is somewhat different 
it's not slower or faster though. It just ebbs and flows to different demands and different requirements. Um, and I think that's a really important thing for people to, to be aware of. I think, I think you've gone a long way there in reassuring people who might be looking at moving across different sectors, specifically to the charitable sector, that the finance in itself is, is very transferable. But from a personal perspective, have there been any challenges you faced from, from, from that element in relation to, to, to making the move into the charitable sector? We know often that salaries can be lower, um, that people expect to work life better work-life balance and don't necessarily get that. Um, what, what's been your experience of those areas? Yeah, look, from a from a salary perspective, absolutely, it's it's not as good. I took a fairly substantial pay cut, um, and I've got fewer fewer perks. Uh, for example, I don't have health insurance for the first time in my career. Um, uh, but having but but there are other perks, right? My pension is, is it remains to be good, and and it's. But look, I think it's important to understand what your personal motivations are. Uh, if you're salary driven and you want to earn as much money as you can, then you know what charity sector probably isn't for you at this stage of your career. Um, and I wasn't, I'm, and I'm not at this stage. It, it was all about finding an organization where I could make a difference. I could see the difference that I was making, not just to the, the organization, but also to the, to, to the members and customers, if you like, uh, of, the, of the organization. Uh, and I wanted to find somewhere where the values resonated with my own. Uh, and that's why I came to join Nason. Um, and look, lifestyle was, an, was also a choice. I wanted the lifestyle. Um, that I thought would would exist in the in this sector, um, and yeah, I don't I don't work as many hours as I used to. I used to work 60, 70 hour weeks, uh, but then after the end of those at the end of those weeks, I would spend the weekend continuing to think about work, and I wasn't really present. Um, whereas now, yes, the hours can still be demanding, uh, and yes, I do still work long weeks, but actually, on a Friday night when I close my laptop. I feel like I've, I've completed the week and I can close it and I can rest easy. Uh, don't get me wrong, I still open my, do a bit of work on the weekends here and there. Um, but it's it's much less demanding. Yeah, I think, I think as you talk, it's quite clear to see that you've made some amazing achievements, not only throughout your career, but how these career transitions have impacted your own personal life as well. Um, what comes across specifically is when you talk about the move to Nason in the present day, the passion that you have for that particular organisation, um, in comparison, actually, to, to the previous companies that you have worked for. Um, so what advice would you give to anyone who, who would be looking to make a similar move? So I, I, I think it's, uh, it's about taking risks in your career. Uh, but calculated risks. I don't mean take a blind risk and just jump at anything. I think every now and again, an opportunity presents itself that at, at that very moment may not be uh, may not be as big as you'd like it to be, but it's like a game of chess. If you can look two or three moves ahead of the one that you're making, is there an opportunity for you to, to progress your career within an organisation? For me, that's really important, particularly when you're early in your career. And... Then it's about finding something where the values resonate with your own. Understand why does that organization exist and what is that organization trying to deliver and why is it trying to deliver that? And do those values align with yours and, and do, they, do they resonate with you? Do they make you feel content when you think about it? Um, but then also I'd, I'd, I'd also urge organizations as well, be willing to take the risk on people who may not necessarily come from the, 
the sector uh, that you're in or have the uh, experience that you're looking for because actually having a diversity of experience really can be beneficial and can really help your organizations grow I think, I think you've summarised that brilliantly there, because not only is it about the particular individual, but also the company as well. Um, I, guess, I guess, finally, what specifically for you have you have you gained from making this particular move into the charitable and third sector? And what's been the best thing for you so far? <laughs> Great question. Um, the, the biggest thing that I've gained is, is, is uh, I, I call it my happiness equation. Uh, and it's, it's something that was... Um, told to me when I was in the, in, in banking, actually. Uh, and when I was looking at my next move, uh, I was challenged to think about my happiness equation uh, and, and what are the constituent parts of my happiness equation. And it's individual to everybody. Everybody's happiness equation is their own. Um, and, and the way I, I thought about it was what's important. And it changes with time. Um, my happiness equation now has kids in it, which didn't have before, which it wasn't part of my happiness equation. And for me, the thing that I've really gained in moving to, to nascent and into the sector is I, I, I have a, the ability to be present with my family uh, and my kids, uh, which is really positive for me and part of my happiness equation. I feel like I'm making a difference to not just nascent as an organization. Uh, and I feel the opportunity to make a difference for nascent is, is there and I see it and feel it. And uh, I work with some great people, uh, everybody that I work with, uh, wants to be with Nason for the reasons that Nason is in existence. Uh, people's values are very closely aligned with Nason's. Uh, and when you see that, uh, and, and when you feel it on a daily basis, it's inspiring. Uh, it really is. And it just makes you feel so content that you're surrounded by like-minded individuals who are there for the same reason as you uh, and really want what's best, not just for Nason, but for those individuals that Nason is servicing. Um, it's just a it's just a great feeling uh but then also like i mentioned at the start personal circumstance it's about personal circumstance as well as career development as well as personal gratification and uh, and i think i've got a real nice balance right now uh, really my happiness equation has gone up uh, which is why why i came into it in the first place uh, and i feel really content and, and pleased with where i am that's lovely. Well, I think to summarise, Amrit, obviously you can really tell um, about your passion of moving to Nason, and you've given a brilliant overview of what they do and how you're driving that organisation forward to make it commercial. Um, but also how beneficial a career change within any sector can be. Um, so it's been really nice to hear your opinion, the, the challenges you face, but also the positives as well, and actually see you emanate happiness actually in terms of working for the third sector that you are currently so um i'll say thank you um and you've been listening to the talent talks by the robert walters podcast with me lauren freeman and amrit singh um thank you for listening best of luck with the up and coming changes great thank you for having me that's great